Do you hear that creepy voice? Recording in progress. <laughs> it's creepy. Get outside and do things. It's so good for your mental health. Even if you don't go anywhere cool, I promise you will find cool things when you go outside. Hey, if you don't know by now, I'm Jeanette. I'm your host. Welcome to 2022. New intro, same great podcast. Hold on, we're coming at you. listening to to an extent this is episode 10 claire in the great big world we're back listening to to an extent i've got my friend claire here claire you want to tell us a little bit about yourself yeah um so i met jeanette by being one of her employees at subway a million years ago when i was in high school (laughs) um and so then i went and i moved away to toledo a whole hour away from northwest ohio for college. And that's kind of where I stuck. Um, and now I work and live in Toledo. And you went to school in Toledo. What'd you, what'd you major in? So I studied environmental studies, uh, which is a bachelor of arts degree in the science college. So I took a bunch of classes in a bunch of, um, different colleges and, um, it's called an interdisciplinary major. So I took a bunch of classes everywhere, but basically it comes down to, I took the hard science that you read in like official academic journals that nobody really understands. And I translate that to everyday humans so that they can understand it and actually find it useful. Best part of your college experience? Um, I studied abroad in Ghana, Africa, on West, which is West Africa. Um, for an entire semester, I was there for four months. I got eaten alive by mosquitoes. I, um, that was my first trip away from my parents. Um, I had a three-year-old brother at home. And so that was really hard, but I learned so much and I grew so much as a person. I wouldn't trade it for anything and I would like to go back someday, but it is expensive. So yeah, even, even local travel has definitely is expensive, but, uh, <laughs> what, what sort of experiences were you able to get in college doing, doing that? Cause that's not necessarily the most traditional route. It sounds like. Yeah, no. So, and it's a long story of why I studied abroad. So I, going into college, I wanted to work with water quality and um, in developing nations, specifically water quality is not great. It's a really um, big issue for a lot of people in um, developing nations. Um, And so that's what I wanted to solve. I wanted to go abroad and solve that and work there, but I had never been abroad besides like a cruise to the Bahamas when I was in like fifth grade, which doesn't really count. So it does count, but not when you want to live and work abroad. So my dad suggested I take a um, trial trip and, you know, try it in college, you know, no harm, no foul. Um, And so I looked into studying abroad and um, I didn't want to go to Europe because everybody else went to Europe. I didn't know Spanish, so I couldn't do Central or South America in general. Um, And Australia is really, really expensive. So that left Africa. And um, Ghana was cheaper than Africa. And so that's where I ended up. And I highly recommend it to everybody, whether you do a full semester abroad, a year abroad, a summer. Um, I even ended up a year later doing just a week long trip with a professor. It changes your perspective on literally everything. I had never left Northwest Ohio before. Northwest Ohio is all I knew. And Northwest Ohio is not a very diverse place. 
racially <laughs> speaking, um, spiritually speaking, anything really like we're pretty much all the same and we have the same thought process and the same experiences. And I went abroad where I was a, um, I was the minority for the first time ever in my life. And at one point, I'm pretty sure I was probably the only white person for miles and miles and what an experience that was. And really it showed me, um, other people's perspective of the United States. You know, we're kind of just like, Oh, whatever we live in the United States, but there I was assumed to be rich because I could afford a plane ticket. That's just the assumption that they made because there's no budget airlines in Africa. They can't afford to travel. Um, and so just those kinds of learning those perspectives and um, experiencing all of that and not being in your normal everyday life um, was such a big life-changing thing for me. Like I got back and um, well, so I was gone for four months in the spring. I got back and I went straight home to Hicksville where my parents live. And I was there for three months. I really talked to my college friends. I saw them a couple times. And then I went back to Toledo in August. And that is when reverse culture shock hit, which everybody says is worse than like the initial culture shock when you go somewhere else. Like coming back home is harder than going somewhere new. Um, and it sure did. And I started my first day of my junior year of college crying in my professor's um, office. It's like 8 a.m. Monday morning. This guy probably hated me. But <laughs> I was like sobbing because I was like, my credits didn't transfer. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to fail. Like I was a mess. And he's like, you're fine. You just lived in Africa for four months. You can handle this. And I was like, oh, I did. So it really gave me um, a confidence boost to really do anything. Um, I was no longer really a homebody. You know, I love my family and I love to go home and see them, but um, I didn't really want to go home as much anymore. And I wanted to go do more things and see more things. And it just really made me realize like there's more to the world than Northwest Ohio. And um, if you get the chance to see that in any capacity, you need to see it. It's more than cornfields and soybeans. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know if that answered the question, but. No, that that was perfect. You'd actually brought up a phrase I'd never heard before, reverse culture shock. Obviously, culture yeah. shock, everybody, everybody, I think, is kind of aware of what that is. Elaborate what that means. So, yeah. So culture shock is you go somewhere new that you are not used to. It's not your culture. It's not your people. Um, and you don't quite fit in. You don't understand why they do things a certain way. You don't. You just it's not your culture. So reverse culture shock is when you've gone to a new place and you come back home to your original home um, and things are different and um, or you see things differently. So like it was really, you know, I left Toledo in truly December when my fall semester ended and I didn't return to those friends and to those locations and those people until um, August of the following year. So I was gone out of Toledo for almost eight months. Um, and I came home and my friends had made new friends, you know, these inside jokes had happened that I had no idea. I missed events. I missed important things. Um, I was different, you know, I came back. Um, so, you know, before I studied abroad, um, I didn't really drink. I didn't really go out. I really, I stayed home. And so I came back and then I found a whole new group of friends who, um, now liked what I like to do, mainly drinking. I was in a sorority. And so now I was all about taking a part of that. 
um, and being a part of that. And so it's really just trying to figure out you as a new person, because you've seen this culture and a different culture, and you have these new experiences and perspectives and life thoughts trying to either you try to fit back into your old life or you have to make a new life, not necessarily a whole new life, but you know, you have to figure out if you're going to just return to how you were, how you're going to mesh the old you with the new you. And um, so it's a lot of like mental, emotional thing than anything, but also um, like I've read stories. So, you know, there's a whole um, aisle of laundry detergent in the grocery stores. Overwhelming. Yeah. When you go abroad, that's not a thing. You get like two choices. If you get choices at all, it's just what's there. It's whatever they could get, whatever they decided to sell to you. Um, and so like people come home and now they're back to a million choices, which they were used to. And they like break down and cry in a grocery store because they can't choose a laundry detergent. So it's, um, very like, there's all the mental and emotional side to it. And there's also the physical side of like, we're just not used to it. Like I didn't drive the entire time I was in Ghana. Um, A, it wasn't legal. B, I did not want to touch those roads. They're insane. And so then I got home and my parents, like, um, they put me on my permit for a day or two, essentially. They wanted to make sure that I could like remember how to drive and obey the laws and everything. So yeah, reverse culture shock. They honestly did more educating us on that than they did culture shock going there. They're like, ah, you'll figure it out. You're having new experiences. You're having fun. But when you come home and you expect it to be one way and it's not, it's um, shocking. So, And it's totally different than just like a leisure vacation or just like sightseeing. You were, you were fully immersed, I'm sure. And, and a lot more, um, had a, had a lot better ability to get into more of the nitty gritty of, She's not just some, some girl from a cornfield coming over to gawk. Yeah. And so that was like, our program worked with us. Like I actually learned, um, part of the tribal language, the native tribal language in Ghana. Um, and mostly we only used it for bartering, bartering as if you had to barter the price of your taxi everywhere you went or the food you were buying. And because we were white, they increased the prices automatically. Like when we showed up. One kid had to take a taxi from the airport to the college. <laughs> they charged him um, its CDs, so 80 CDs, which would have been like 20 American dollars. And he paid it because it's his first two minutes in Ghana. He has no idea what's happening. And he gets to the university and we're talking about it. And they're like, yeah, no, that should have only cost you like 10 CDs, like two American dollars. Like they just upcharged us because we were white and they knew a, we didn't know and B that we had money. And so not showing Ghana's greatest side, but it happened a lot. So we learned the native language so that we could use it during bartering. And it showed them that we were trying that we, you know, were there for the long haul and we weren't just, you know, stopping in for a week also that they couldn't pull it past us anymore. So yeah, like we immersed ourselves in their culture and, um, to leave that and come home, it's just, that's hard anywhere for anything. Well, and the ability to barter. I mean, that's, yeah. I don't know the last time I bartered around here. So. Right. We, yeah. Like we never had done that before. Um, and so that was a whole, like, we'd forget. They'd be like, that's, you know, 12 CDs. We're like, okay. And like, <laughs> we weren't going to like barter that down. We're like, oh yeah, no, 12 is fine. We'll pay it. Wow. So, so 
So what year was that trip? That was 2017. I was a sophomore in college. So I was 19 when I went abroad, which is just crazy to think. Um, I turned 22 days before I came home. Wow. Was the, was the birthday celebration so much cooler in Ghana? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, we had done all of our like going away. Like, you know, everybody's leaving because some people had left um, earlier, a week or two earlier than we were. And we were going to go to our favorite restaurant and it was closed and then we couldn't find anywhere else. So I ended up, my 20th birthday dinner was um, eating KFC in Ghana, which is the only chain restaurant they have. And it was so weird. It was like, it was not like the chicken that we get in America. They have chicken there, but it's just different. So yeah, that was my 20th birthday dinner was um, eating KFC in Ghana. But I, I feel like a rite of passage is celebrating your birthday in a not very non-traditional way. And I think you've nailed oh, that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And we we tried, we good effort. And, you know, we were dressed up a little nicer. We, it wasn't our original plan. It's just where we ended up because we were hungry and, you know, had to eat. So, so in the past, uh, four ish years, since you've been, since you've been back from Ghana, mm-hmm. obviously you said you would love to go back. Have you done more traveling? Yeah. So, um, I basically got back that next semester and I signed up for a 10 day trip to Trinidad, which is the southernmost Caribbean Island. It's right off the coast of Venezuela. Um, and that was with a professor and that was all about like ecology. Basically we were just learning about the plants and flora and fauna and wildlife, um, in Trinidad, which was super cool. Um, and definitely a different experience. Um, and I was um, somehow elected the veteran traveler on that trip because I had just gotten back from studying abroad. So if you've never studied abroad, you have to go through customs when you enter a new country, if you've never gone. Abroad. Um, and you have to know where you're going, where you're staying, what you're doing, who you're going to see. You know, they want to, I don't know that they'd kick anybody out for these questions if you have good intentions, but they're pretty intimidating questions. <laughs> so Um, My professor sent me first through the line because, and so I had to answer all of these questions and I, you know, you make some of them up because you just don't know, or you can't think of it, or you can't remember. So I answered probably 10 to 12 questions. And then everybody else who went through the line behind me was like, we're with her. We're with her. We're on the same trip. We're with her. (laughs) It's like, this is not fair. If I have to go through the questions, you have to go through the questions. So that was a good trip. Um, and that one I was on with some friends. Um, so my friends were in the same classes. We planned to do this trip together. Um, we became closer over that trip. So that was a lot of fun to travel with people I already knew. Um, cause that was not something I had in Ghana In Ghana. I was, um, in a program with strangers. So we didn't meet until we met at the airport. So you make friends to survive traveling and then you figure it out from there. So going with friends was fun. And then that was the end of my junior year. And then my senior year, I went to Iceland on spring break. Um, and that one was more for personal reasons. And I don't know if my dad knows this. This might be when he finds out. Um, I took um, <laughs> an additional $1,000 out on my student loan so I could go to Iceland, which I highly recommend. Um, you know, the government just gives you money. And I spent it during college. So, you know. <laughs> Um, but I went, I really wanted to see the Northern lights. Um, and so I talked two of my best friends into going. And so we went to Iceland for like four days 
And that was really my first more vacation trip. Um, we got to entirely choose what we did, where we went, how much money we spent, um, which was a little intimidating. Um, and so we did that for four days on an airline that shut two weeks after we got back. So oh, goodness. We at the time they were bankrupt and we flew with them and they shut down like two weeks later and like stranded people. So we're like, Oh, all right. Glad we made it. So yeah, lots of random traveling. Um, but yeah, so those are the three big trips that I did in college. Um, since then I've done more hiking, um, nature based, more local trips. Um, my mom and I, and my little brother went out to the Finger Lakes region of New York, um, which is known for its waterfalls. And we just visited as many waterfalls as we could find on, you know, all the lists. And so, um, we've done that. I've gone up to Michigan with friends a couple times down, done some backpacking trips. So, so a little bit of everything, a little bit of everything, but mostly in like the tri-state area. So, okay. So I, Iceland, that's awesome to just get up and go. And I mean, I can't advise that everybody taking extra money on student loans is a great idea, but I mean, you're right. It's one of the few times that the government's willing to say, here, have some money. You'll pay it back eventually, but um, I mean, you might as well. Yeah. And for me, it was, you know, it increased my, I was very lucky um, that I afforded college the way I did. I essentially went from 8,000 in debt to 9,000. So really when you're looking at debt, a thousand dollars isn't terrible. And I did good things with it. I didn't go out and, you know, buy a massive big screen TV just because I wanted <laughs> And you didn't end up in jail in a foreign country or something. No, I might've almost, but you know, I, I didn't. So <laughs> you have to have like an almost jail story when you're in foreign countries or, you know. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's like the exact thing they tell you not to do. Yeah. It a hundred percent it is because it's not fun. Um, not that I've done it. I've not been jailed <laughs> either domestically or abroad. Good but then. yes, it is like the top safety tip is like don't do stupid things. Don't um, do stupid things. Yeah, especially in foreign countries. But sometimes you're risky. You know, things are just it happens. So, what would you say is your top top like three tips to? you know, just getting up and going, you know, how'd you decide Iceland? Um, Iceland was, um, that's a very personal one that I probably, I won't go into, but I wanted to see the Northern lights and I wanted to see them like now, um, the Northern lights have always been something that's fascinated me. And so I made this decision that I wanted to see the Northern lights in like October. And I think by December we were booking our trip. Um, so I guess my first top tip is if you really want to do something, do it. I know that's so stupidly simple, but, um, it also makes it easier when you have friends, I think, or somebody else. Um, everybody talks about solo travel. I'm too social of a person. Um, I'm very extroverted. I don't think I would do well with solo traveling, but, um, you know, find a way to afford it or make, you know, make it happen and just go do it. Don't wait until, you know, a better time or something's always going to come up something. You always have a reason not to. Um, and if something you really, truly want, how much, what, 
I was going to ask how much research did you do before jumping onto Iceland? Obviously you said it was a pretty quick turnaround between it's a, Hey, let's do it. And when you were booking. Yeah. Um, we, I asked, um, other people, you know, what they did, how they did it. Um, Iceland is known for, you can either do it really cheap or you can do it really expensive. Um, and at the time there were multiple budget airlines that flew to Iceland. Um, and that's really what's determined. Um, a lot of my flying trips are airline prices. Um, you know, once you're there, you can stay in a hostel, which is similar to a hotel, but you just rent a bed. You're not renting an entire room. You're not getting room service or, you know, like housekeeping, you're just renting a bed. Um, so we stayed in the cheapest hostel in, um, Reykjavik and we went to the grocery store and we bought food and then we got, um, we couldn't read any of the language because they used their native Icelandic language. So you had to buy it based on its looks. Um, so, you know, we bought bread and peanut butter and jelly. Um, we bought some pasta and sauce and then we got to the checkout line and the card reader machine was again, all in the native Icelandic language. And so we had to do it um, based on remembering the order of how you use a card reader. You know, you insert your card and then, then you do your pin, right. And then you have to press green and, you know, so, um, but yeah, so we definitely did it on a budget and I think you can really do trips on a budget a lot. You just have to be willing to um, do it on a budget. Like sleeping in a hostel is great. You know, we stayed in a room of 16 people. So there were, you know, 15 other travelers and I only knew two of them. Um, There's even like a 20 person one that we um, made friends that we. um, So, yeah, you can do traveling on a budget. You just have to be willing to deal with your budget accommodation. So um, pretty much before. This is how I do all trips. This is my trip planning. All right. A bunch of things. Um, Where where to stay, what to do, where to eat, all these things. And then I make a Google Doc. And I invite my friends who are going on the trip to the Google Doc. So they have access. And on the Google Doc, I put the name, like the hours, the price, the website, and the address. So I put all this information and I categorize it on the Google Doc. And then I make sure that I have access to it offline on my phone. Because the thing that we have found the most is... um, looking up where to go, like, you know, you're going from point A to point B. Trying to find point B's address is sometimes the hardest thing. Yeah. So if you already have that in a Google Doc, you just copy and paste, and eventually your maps will load it for. Also, if you have a list of like 12 different items, but you really only have time to do three, you don't have to sit there and research, like what's the top three things to do or what are you interested in? You already have that, and you just have to decide then and there what you're going to do. So that is my, that's how I do all my trips. Now, my friends and I just went to Traverse city and I did this it worked out perfectly because one of the days ended up being rainy. And so we just flip flop days and life went on. That's awesome. It's organized, but it's also let's roll yeah. with it. Yeah. Cause that's really traveling. I've never once planned a trip like hour by hour. That's not how traveling works, especially international. Nothing ever goes according to plan. So Um, yeah, I always give myself a bunch of options and then I will figure it out later. So do you have tips for just like a, a day trip or weekend trip? Like what's your go-to for those? Um, I haven't done many of those, honestly. I keep talking about those. See, that's where I got to follow my own advice. I keep talking about those with friends. 
Um, like I really want to go to Chicago and see the shed aquarium. Um, but I've learned once you get out of college, adult life, it's real hard to get time to find friends, to go on trips. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, my mom and I just went to, um, Cleveland. We wanted to see an art exhibit there. And I did the same thing. I had a Google doc with a bunch of different things and we pulled from it. She had found some, um, Christmas store she wanted to go to, which I was like, fine, whatever we'll go. Cause it's your birthday trip. So I went to the Christmas. Um, but yeah, I think doing the research ahead of time and not in the moment helps you find a, some of the cooler things that's not on everybody's like top five lists. Um, and it takes away some of that, like frustration, you know, if everybody's sitting in the car trying to figure out what to do and, you know, then now somebody's tired or grumpy or hungry or hangry, you know, um, if you just have options and you can toss those out, uh, it makes it a lot easier. So Google docs, that's it. <laughs> that's the podcast. Just Google docs. I was going to say, it's not a paid advertisement for Google, but we'll, no. we'll, we'll take it if they want to sponsor. Yeah. Uh, so going forward, where's on your bucket list? Do, do you, A, do you have a bucket list? And B, if so, what's on it? Um, I have recently gotten into backpacking, which is hiking, but you carry camp on your back in a backpack. Um, and so generally it's like a 30 to 40 pound backpack. Um, and so I have a group of friends who we, um, like to do this, but, um, one of them is married and has two kids. One of them just got pregnant. One of them's husband doesn't like backpacking. Um, so trying to get all of us <laughs> to agree and to commit to a trip is um, rather difficult, but I, um, next year I want to make it a point to do more like weekend backpacking trips. Big dreams are, I want to do national parks out West, um, like a big road trip or a van trip or you know, something along those. I guess I could just fly out and drive, but I could also, if you could do like 20 of them in, you know, a four month period, how great does that sound? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know how I get four months off work or the money to finance that or any of those logistical issues, but that's the dream. Um, and the biggest dream of all is I want to go to Victoria Falls in Africa, which is the largest um, waterfall in the world. Um, I think it's on, it's like the dividing between, I think Zimbabwe, Zambia. Don't quote me on it. Basically, you have to get to South Africa and then you have to take another like two hour plane ride. So you hop down to South Africa and then you go back up like two hours. And that's where Victoria Falls is. And then I would do um, a safari to see the big five. Um, game, so, because I, I only got to see an elephant. Which is cool. An elephant outside of the zoo versus an elephant inside the zoo are probably two very different experiences. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're walking around behind a guy who has a machine gun on his back. And then he's like, look, a wild elephant. It's sick. Probably why it's by itself. And you're like, oh, okay. So. Wait, you you just said you're walking behind a guy with a machine gun? Yeah. Yeah, they, they, um, they were allowed to. So um, in Ghana, only police are allowed to have guns. Um, apparently except for the, um, safari tour guides who are also allowed to have guns, um, you know, in case you're on a wild safari and something happens, I don't know, but yeah. So we just casually followed him around the, uh, the, the, it wasn't a desert, but Africa in Ghana. All right. All right. So you said you're working with Toledo grows, right? Yes. And, And what are you getting to do there? So, um, Toledo Grows is um, 
a small nonprofit in downtown Toledo that's all about um, community gardening and reducing barriers to community gardening um, and allowing people to have access to healthy, nutritious. Um, And so I am the education coordinator and I go into the schools and I teach the kiddos um, where their food comes from, why they should have clean or healthy and nutritious, um, why it's important, why dirt's important, why worms are important, um, all of those kinds of topics, um, which I know sounds weird. Every time I explain this to people from Northwest Ohio, they're like, what do you mean they don't know where their food comes from? When you live even in a mid-sized city like Toledo, there are no cornfields. <laughs> they don't understand um, that the food they get at the grocery stores or at their local corner store, um, they don't understand where that grows, how that comes. So um, I try to help teach them that. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And so if, if anybody wants, uh, wants a great contact at Toledo Grows, we've got uh, Claire for you. Yep, I'm here. Um, so go ahead. Any, any lasting um, thoughts or wisdom that you can impart on anybody looking to travel or just get out and go and, and do things? I, one of the biggest reasons that I don't think we've touched on really uh, why I like um, traveling and doing, especially hiking trips is um, nature and really being away from um, everyday life of work and um, your phone and social media and just getting away from all of that. Even if it's just um, like a, hour hike in a local park or a walk around a neighborhood, just getting outside and having that fresh air, um, has been scientifically proven to have a lot of benefits. Um, but especially mental health wise and giving your brain that break and reset is super important. Um, which is why I'm so bad about taking pictures. Um, when I'm outside, when I'm doing cool things, um, Shout out to all the people who take pictures of me doing cool things because I really that's what my social media is full of um, because I just I don't get my phone out. I don't respond to texts when I'm out hiking. I don't look at my phone unless it's for GPS because we're lost. Um, <laughs> but I I need I personally need those um, nature breaks. I can tell when I've been cooped up inside for too long. And that's really been a big adjustment. Um, My last job, I worked at Metro Parks Toledo, which are very well known. And I worked on outdoor skills team. And so I was teaching people to kayak and shoot bows and arrows and tree climbing and leading nature walks. Um, When I wasn't doing that, we were doing maintenance on our equipment. And so I was throwing canoes and kayaks around and I was um, feeding a mile of rope through my hands to make sure it was still up to safety codes. Um, I was always outside doing things. And so now my new job is a mostly nine to five office job, um, which also has it perks because now I have weekends off to go do things and, you know, I have my evenings free. Um, but I'm not outside and active nearly as much as I used to be. Um, and so like mentally I've noticed, you know, I've become more sluggish. Um, and so I have one really good friend and I text him and I go, I need to go outdoors. And he goes, Hey, me too. And so we go and we go for a walk or we plan a trip. Um, so that's how I ended up going to Cuyahoga, um, falls for the first time last year. Cause I said, I've been inside too much. And he said, me too. So on a random Saturday in January, we drove to Cuyahoga, which was great in the morning. 
um, the mud was still frozen, but then it got up to like 40 degrees and it melted. And so then it became really, really muddy and we were covered in mud by, and then we found a great brewery to go to for a burger uh, and we felt so much better, but um, you don't go outside and do, I highly recommend it. Um, Even if it is just a walk around um, your neighborhood or walking your neighbor's dog or your dog or your cat. They do make cat leashes. My friends have some, um, just getting outside. And I love the difference that it makes. And if you have questions, I can answer nature questions sometimes. So you can shoot me a text, but get outside and do things. It's so good for your mental health. Even if you don't go anywhere cool, I promise you will find cool things when you go outside. So obviously we've talked about your work and we've talked about why you love to be outside and why travel is, is a phenomenal thing. Any, any last words, any imparting wisdom on, on anybody listening to maybe inspire their uh, trip to get outside or go travel across the world or take a random trip to a country? Just do it. Nike. (laughs) (laughs) Just go do it. Yeah. I, yeah, I am so, it is so hard to travel in adult life. Like go travel in college. It is so much cheaper. You know, when your friends have classes when then they don't have classes, then you get into adult life and you have to take vacation days and you have to make everybody's schedules to align. Just travel in college. Obviously besides the interwebs, what, like what sort of places do you research? Like obviously anybody could go to like the trip advisors or, you know, top, you can Google top 10 things to do and whatever. Um, I have, well, A, asking on Facebook, people know people who have been places um, and they can put you in contact. I honestly, it's probably why I still have Facebook, A, to keep up with my grandma so she can keep up with me <laughs> um, and B, to ask for recommendation questions. So many people know so many things. Um, or I recently discovered Reddit. Um, it's, uh, I don't even, I don't even have an account on Reddit, but, um, you just Google your question and then you just put Reddit at the end and it brings up these threads on Reddit where people have asked questions and they comment. And I found those super useful, um, especially to find the not top touristy things. Cause a lot of times there's so many people at those top, like 10 tourist destinations. It's not even fun anymore anyways. So um, Reddit is one of the big ones that I go. So get more personal in your uh, in your interweb searches to find what uh, what's out there. Oh yeah, um, TripAdvisor and like BuzzFeed and all those top ten top ten searches are great for a starting point, and you definitely want to see those. Like you don't want to go to Paris and not see the Eiffel Tower. It's a wasted trip, you know. But you do that top, you know, number one, most photographed thing, and then go find other cool things to do. Go find adventure. It's out there. Go find adventure. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy to find adventure or don't have a plan. And then you find so much adventure. The opposite of the Google doc. Do you just yeah. leave a spot for like find adventure? Yeah. And we do. We, um, I, we did it in Ghana a lot. We just knew we were going to go to the city and once we got there, we would figure it out because um, there's not a lot of Googling to do about Ghana. It's really all word of mouth and what our um, Ghanaian friends told us. But, you know, you just 
ask them or you get there and you meet somebody and they go, Hey, we have this cool place to show you. And then you get into a taxi with strangers and they take you somewhere cool and then you don't die and it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a good story when you don't die. It's fine. Yeah. So I I think travel requires a little bit of risk and a little bit of willingness of, all right, we could die, but you know, um, especially in Ghana, we didn't drive. We didn't know we were going. Um, One time we went with a friend to a beach resort we were just going to chill for the weekend. We had been doing a lot of adventurous traveling and we just wanted to chill. Um, and it, that was the weekend. We didn't know the rainy season started in Ghana and the rainy season means that after it rains, there's a flash flood because they don't have the infrastructure to handle it. Um, and so it basically shuts down the city for a couple hours. And so we are on the beach on the ocean and we are watching this storm roll in. and we're like, wow, look at the pretty colors and, Oh, the ocean, it's it's so rough and how cool. And then the rain hit and we're like, huh, maybe we should have left before the storm got here. And so we watch it rain for like a half an hour and we decide we have to leave because we have to be back to classes in the morning. Um, except the person who really knew where we were going, what we were doing, didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay another day. So we're like, oh, we got this. We just have to take one motorcycle ride. And then we're on a Trotro, which is like their public bus transportation. They're called Trotro. Um, it's just one Trotro back to the city. So after a 45-minute motorcycle ride in the rain and three Trotro changes, we finally get back close enough to campus that we can take a taxi. And the taxi guy um, won't. So essentially, we had $12 or we had a $50 bill. And they don't like to make change. Um, and so we're like, you either take our 12 or you make change for our 50. Cause he wanted to charge us, I think like $15 CDs. Uh. <laughs> We're like, this is literally all the money we have. You either take our 12 or you make change. So he's like, Oh, just, just get in the taxi. We're like, fine, but we're not, we're not budging from this. So, um, he eventually took our 12 and we were cold. And that was the only time we were cold in Ghana because we were cold and wet and tired and we just wanted to go back to our dorm and take a lukewarm shower and go to bed. So that was like the top like adventure. We didn't know where we were going. We didn't know where we were at. We all fell asleep on one of the buses. So somebody had to wake us up at our stop or we would have missed it. And then we really wouldn't have known where we were at. So shout out to the good people of Ghana for taking care of the three white girls because we needed it. <laughs> Gotta love those people. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Adventure is always like there to be found if you're willing. Yeah, I don't know that I'm brave enough to do that. Or yeah, or I crazy. I probably wasn't started, but you know, when you go abroad and you're 24 hours travel away from your parents, and you just got to figure it out, and eventually you do. I think if you were in the situation, you would do it. But. Yeah, probably if I had to. Yeah, yeah. So. That's awesome. Well. Claire, I super appreciate you coming on and uh, talking talking travel. Uh, like I said, if you guys need uh, connections on why dirt and worms are important, uh, Toledo Grow and Claire, um, I can get you in contact with her. And yeah, you've listened to another episode of To an Extent. Hopefully we'll talk to Claire again soon. Yeah.